Section 15 of the Curtis Aviation Book by Glenn Curtis and Augustus Post. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part 4 The Real Future of the Aeroplane. Chapter 2 Future Surprises of the Aeroplane. Hunting, Travel, Mail, Wireless, Life Saving, and Other Special Uses. Many will be the future uses of the aeroplane special uses not necessarily dependent on speed sportsmen are likely to find in the aeroplane especially in the hydro an admirable vehicle for hunting aside from their interest in its racing capacity already there is pending in the california legislature a bill designed to regulate shooting from an aeroplane intended as an addition to the california aeroplane traffic regulations described later while this bill is probably intended as more or less of a joke, it has been thoroughly demonstrated that it is possible to shoot wild ducks from an aeroplane. Hubert Latham proved this fact in his Antoinette monoplane at Los Angeles. Latham flew from Dominguez Field to the Bolsa Chica Gun Club on the shore of the Pacific, ten miles away, and chased wild ducks for thirty minutes, finally bagging one. The sportsmen of California thought they saw in this feat of Latham's the near approach of a time when the aeroplane would be utilized for exterminating game, and seemed much exercised over this incident. The newspapers saw only the humor of the incident, however, and the sportsmen were quickly reassured. Latham, not content with this achievement, and thirsting for new thrills, said that he was going to fly up into the Rocky Mountains and shoot grizzly bears— his last undertaking was to take his aeroplane with him to the Congo, where he went to hunt big game and to use the aeroplane in this novel and sensational sport. Strange to relate, after having braved all the dangers of the air, he met his fate by being gored to death by a wounded and infuriated wild buffalo in July 1912. Some ranchers out west have clubbed together to purchase an aeroplane for hunting wolves which have been killing their cattle. And four aviators flew over San Fernando Valley in California recently, eagerly watching the underbrush for a sight of two fugitive bandits, who for two days had eluded a large sheriff's posse after attempting to hold up a railway agent and mortally wounding a deputy at San Fernando, each aviator was sworn in as a deputy, and carried with him an observer provided with powerful field glasses. They reported that they could see objects very clearly below. In scouring the hills, one of the observers thought that he had surely spotted his man, and the plane was dipped abruptly toward the ground. On returning, he said, "'It was a dog I saw, and I'll bet that dog is running yet.' I have heard on the best of authority that an aviator in this country chased a buzzard until it fell exhausted, and that in Europe the same game was played by a German aviator upon a large stork. Aerial Bird Netting On my practice flights in a hydro-aeroplane over San Diego Bay, I noticed on several occasions that pelicans and seagulls and even wild ducks got in my path and I was sometimes obliged to change my course in order to avoid the slow-flying fowl. It occurred to me that with a net affixed to the forward part of the planes, 
it would have been an easy matter to run down and bag a pelican and possibly a seagull the ducks are too quick to be caught by an aeroplane as yet chasing ducks in an aeroplane and catching them in a net would be about as thrilling a sport as one can imagine perhaps when the killing of wild fowl with guns shall have palled on sportsmen we shall see the method of netting them with an aeroplane come into use something after the manner of scientists who hunt the lepidoptera mrs lillian janeway piat atwater of new york while taking instructions in the operation of the hydro aeroplane at north island early in nineteen twelve tried my new method of catching seabirds she asked lieutenant j w mccleskey instructor at the curtis school to take out the hydro aeroplane with her as a passenger and attempt to catch a pelican or gull with a net the instructor promptly agreed and for almost half an hour the big hydro aeroplane with lieutenant mccleskey and mrs atwater chased pelicans and seagulls up and down the bay they discontinued the hunt only when a large pelican barely escaped becoming entangled in the propeller which would have smashed it and possibly caused an accident on another occasion mrs atwater did actually succeed in catching a gull while flying with her husband shooting rabbits from an aeroplane would be comparatively easy i came to this conclusion while flying over north island which is covered with weeds and sagebrush for the most part with hundreds of jack-rabbits and cottontails living there at first these rabbits were terribly frightened by the aeroplane and ran in all directions to escape they soon became used to the sight however and would watch the aeroplane with a great deal of curiosity one of the big jack-rabbits either from fright or curiosity waited too long to get out of the way of harry harkness in his antoinette when he made a rather abrupt descent and it was cut in two by the propeller mail carrying one of the most important special uses to which the aeroplane is particularly adapted is for carrying the mail royal mail was first actually handled at allahabad in india last summer during which over six thousand letters were transferred this service was planned to prove the great value of an aeroplane post during wartime to a besieged town a mail route via aeroplane was established on trial between london and windsor in england which carried several tons of mail matter and in this country last fall postmaster-general frank h hitchcock and captain paul beck u s army inaugurated the first aerial postal service regularly established in the united states over a route between the aero club of america's flying grounds at nassau boulevard on long island and mineola long island a picturesque account of this little episode is given by frank o'malley who wrote the flying events of the day at the nassau boulevard aviation meet came to an end in a hubbub of joyousness among fifteen hundred spectators on the grounds lieutenant milling had busted the american record and was still flying for the world's record when a tall youngish man decked out in a blue serge suit and a gray cap climbed into the curtis machine driven by captain paul beck of the army the honorable frank h hitchcock postmaster general of the whole united states the megaphone man began to holler will now fly to mineola with captain beck to deliver the mail 
Postmaster General Hitchcock of the United States will carry the mail bag on his knees and drop the bag at Mineola into a circle, in which will be the Postmaster General of, I mean the Postmaster of Mineola. Ladies and gentlemen, Postmaster General Hitchcock. Much applause. Mr. Hitchcock wasn't around to hear all this, and so didn't lift his gray cap in acknowledgment. He was far out on the field, with Attorney General Wickersham and Captain Beck. Post Office Inspector Doyle handed the Postmaster General a mail bag, containing 1,440 postcards and 162 letters, and Captain Beck and the Postmaster General hiked off in a northerly direction for the high spots. The Curtis circled three-quarters of the field, and then climbed rapidly until it was three hundred or four hundred feet above the south end of the track. Ovington, who had also got under way with a second bag of mail in his monoplane, shot up into the same acre of sky occupied by Captain Beck and Mr. Hitchcock, and shot eastward as a track-finder for Captain Beck's machine. The field could see the two machines almost all the time during the cross-country flight. The way the biplane with a passenger pegged along just behind the monoplane with only a pilot aboard was a caution. Over a big white circle painted on the Mineola real estate, Ovington from his monoplane and the Postmaster General from Captain Beck's machine plumped down to Mineola the two pouches and hit within the circle in each case. The biplane teetered slightly as the mailbag was released, and then the two machines made a circle and spun back to where the crowd stood on tiptoe peering over fences at Nassau Boulevard. I was up once before, the postmaster general said, after he had shaken hands all around upon his return to earth. That was at Baltimore with Count de Lesseps in his Blerio. The biplane today, I found, was much steadier fly again? I hope so, because I like the experience very much. My trip today was especially enjoyable, because at Baltimore I could see very little of the ground below, owing to the closed-in construction of a monoplane. Today, from the biplane, all this end of Long Island was stretched out to be looked at. Yes, air routes are all right for practical mail-carrying, Mr. Hitchcock continued, in answer to a question. I mean, he smiled, the air is all right, but the vehicles must continue toward perfection. But even with the aeroplane as it is now, it would be very useful to us, particularly in some parts of the country. Take along the Colorado River, in the canyon district of Yuma, for instance, or in parts of Alaska. Along the Colorado there are places where detours of fifty miles out of the way are made in mail routes to get to a bridge an aeroplane could hop right across the river. The expensiveness of maintaining an aeroplane service is an obstacle, but that will diminish. I would like to see the post office department do something definite in this direction for the good effect it would have in stimulating the development of the machine. Flyers at present have many lean months between the meets. Practical Value Today for Mail Carrying Ever since Postmaster General Hitchcock made this trip, he has been an enthusiastic advocate of the aeroplane as a means of transporting mail over difficult routes. During the next few months, he granted permission to a number of aviators, including Ovington, Milling, Arnold, Robinson, Lincoln Beachy, Charles F. Walsh, 
Beckwith Havens, Charles C. Whitmer, and Eugene Godet, all of whom fly Curtis machines, to act as special mail carriers, and these men have carried mail bags in similar exhibiting tests from aviation fields to points near the post office. Among the cities where such tests have been officially made are Rochester, New York, Dubuque, Iowa, Fort Smith, Arkansas, Temple and Houston, Texas, Atlanta, Savannah, Columbia, and Rome, Georgia, and Spartanburg and Salisbury, North Carolina. The record for long-distance mail carrying is held by Hugh Robinson, who took a bag of mail at Minneapolis, Minnesota, and carried it on his long flight down the Mississippi River in a hydro-aeroplane as far as Rock Island, Illinois. The distance covered by Robinson was 375 miles on this trip, and letters and first-class mail matter were put off and taken on at Winona, Minnesota, Prairie du Chien, Wisconsin, Dubuque and Clinton, Iowa, and Rock Island, Illinois. Of course, the aeroplane is at present best suited for carrying mail in localities where the weather is equable. In such places, it offers a speedy, direct, and dependable service. These numerous experiments in mail carrying by aeroplane have brought about the urging of an appropriation by Congress for this purpose. The second assistant postmaster general, who is in charge of mail transportation, in a report that has just been made public at the time I am writing this, asks for $50,000 for the transportation of mails by aeroplane. Part of this fund may be devoted to mail routes in the Alaskan interior. One government has actively entered on practical mail carrying by aeroplane. Belgium has voted a fund to establish routes across 700 miles of impenetrable Congo jungle. Wireless The aeroplane is ideal for use with wireless telegraphy, and the combination of the aeroplane's ability to obtain information and the ability to transmit it by wireless will be one of its most important future developments in practical usefulness. Wireless experiments did not involve any great problem, as messages have been successfully transmitted from an aeroplane to land stations many times. The receiving of a wireless message by an operator in an aeroplane from a land station or from a warship involves considerable difficulty because of the noise and vibration of the motor. But it is expected, however, that this will be soon entirely overcome, and that it will be possible to transmit or receive telegrams in an aeroplane to or from distant points, with the same ease and accuracy that it is now seen on the ground or on the water. The telegraph seems to be the companion of the locomotive, the telephone of the automobile, and now wireless has its side partner in the aeroplane. Important experiments are being carried on by the Signal Corps of every army, with various methods of communication with an aeroplane in flight, and by the aviator with those on the ground. They have tried an instrument for making smoke signals with large and small puffs, reviving a method used by the American Indians in the pioneer days, and quite familiar to all boys who have played Indian in the country. FORESTRY SURVEY the supervisor of the Selway Forest, consisting of 1,600,000 acres, 
which was formerly part of the Nez Perce Reserve in Idaho, predicts that aeroplanes and wireless telegraphy will be important factors in forest fire prevention before a far distant date. He believes that a man in an aeroplane could do more accurate and extensive survey work in the forests of the Pacific Slope country in a few hours when forest fires are raging than is usually accomplished by twenty rangers in a week. With wireless stations installed on peaks in the chief danger zones, he believed it would be a comparatively easy task to assemble men and apparatus to check and extinguish the flames, and prevent fires from spreading. Moving Pictures Aeroplanes have already been used for purposes of photography, and moving picture machines have also been attached to them, and some remarkable pictures have been taken. One of the large moving picture magnets said, Now, Mr. Curtis, if you can take a series of moving pictures showing a trip across the United States, I do not care if it takes you a year to get it, and even though it is taken piecemeal, or one section at a time, over the main cities on the way, I will pay you well for it. We will take the film, trim it down, and run it through at lightning speed, taking our audience from New York to San Francisco as the bird flies in twenty minutes. The value of moving pictures taken from above, and from a swift, low-flying machine, is apparent at a glance. The contour of the country is shown, as in no other way. And now that warfare is going to have a quite different point of view, even a different range of action, it is important that schools, and especially military schools, should be made familiar with this aspect of the land. The flat map is superseded by such a panoramic view. In time of actual war, moving pictures taken in this way will have a unique value. In photographing reviews of troops, public celebrations, lines of battleships, or any scenes that require a panoramic representation, the aeroplane has been used with success. It can also be of great service in photographing animals and rare birds which may inhabit regions otherwise inaccessible. With the advance of nature study and the steady development of camera hunting, the aeroplane will be used more and more for such purposes, as well as for photographing mountain tops and other insurmountable or dangerous places to reach. Robert G. Fowler has had some surprisingly good motion pictures taken from his machine during his cross-continent flight by an operator sitting beside him, his camera placed on a temporary stand. Mr. Frank W. Coffin took a most interesting series of moving pictures of New York City from the waterfront, portraying the Battery, the Brooklyn Bridge, and the famous Statue of Liberty in the harbor, Mr. Coffin used a hydro-aeroplane for this purpose, which made his flights comparatively safe. In fact, such a feat would have been well-nigh impossible for a machine that could not land on the water, for there are no places where an aeroplane can land in the business section of New York, unless the aviator should land on one of the large buildings, and then he would have great difficulty in getting away again. Great care has to be exercised to keep the machine on an even keel, so that the operator can manage the roll of film. Note. The first start from a rooftop was made on June 12, 1912, 
when silas christofferson in a curtis biplane rose from a platform built on the roof of the hotel mutoma portland oregon and flew safely away augustus post End note. life saving another branch of the government service that will no doubt be greatly aided by aeroplanes are the life-saving stations along the coast whose regular equipment might well include an aeroplane to fly to wrecks and carry a line from shore to ship when the high seas make it impossible to launch a lifeboat it might be impracticable to go out during a period of severe storm but there is always a calm in the air after a storm as well as the proverbial calm before one while the high seas in which a lifeboat cannot live are still running the aeroplane or the hydroaeroplane dashing through the air even through high wind would bring the line that means life to helpless men clinging to a wreck i am awaiting with earnest expectation the first time that an aeroplane actually saves a life when that takes place it will have conquered the heart of the people as well as fascinated its intellect aroused its awe or compelled its admiration the first period of enthusiastic acceptance of the new machine has been succeeded in the mind of the general non-flying public by an admiration not at all like affection realizing how many lives have been given to its development feeling that the aviator takes as they call it his life in his hands the crowd at a flying meet feels with all its great and growing interest an attraction in which figures not a little fear and distrust the first time that an aeroplane saves a life as it can and will do many times it will have begun to conquer this public distrust that is why the exploit of the hydro aeroplane already described in coming first to the aid of the aviator in the water had a value far greater than its apparent importance note a very important service was rendered only a short time ago by the hydro aeroplane which might easily have served to save a human life if the accident had been more serious than it actually was mr hugh robinson the instructor of the curtis hydro aeroplane school was having sunday dinner at the hotel in hammondsport where dr p l alden one of the well-known physicians of that place was also eating dinner when the doctor received a telephone message that mr edwin petrie's little son had fallen from the steps of the urbana wine company at urbana five miles down the lake and had a compound fracture of his thigh with a serious hemorrhage it was a very serious injury and the little fellow was in intense pain and mr petrie asked the doctor to come as quickly as he possibly could dr alden realized the urgency of the situation and knew that delay might mean serious results from the hemorrhage so he went immediately over to mr robinson and asked if he would take him across the lake in the hydro aeroplane right away mr robinson said i will be ready in five minutes just as soon as you can get over to the field dr alden got his bandages and instruments and hurried down to the shed where mr robinson had already gotten out the hydro he jumped in and they were off without a moment's delay they covered the five miles in five minutes at times running on the surface of the lake because the wind was blowing so strong as they ran up on the beach the doctor jumped out and hastened to his patient 
the boy was so much interested in the fact that he was the first patient to be treated by a hydroaeroplane doctor and so fascinated at hearing dr alden tell about the trip that he forgot for the moment the seriousness of his condition and allowed the doctor to reduce the fracture without an anaesthetic when all that could be done just then had been done dr alden and mr robinson returned in the hydroaeroplane as rapidly as they had come on their errand of humanity and at last account young mr petrie was getting well as fast as he could so he could have a ride in the hydroaeroplane himself augustus post End note. exploring and escape from danger the aeroplane will find one of its important uses not only in taking pictures of inaccessible spots but also in crossing otherwise impassable places especially in times of pressing need when fire earthquake volcanic eruptions that leave beds of molten lava explosions pestilences floods or other devastations occur and quick assistance is necessary in engineering and mining matters the aeroplane may be of assistance in exploring the best places to locate the route for railroads through mountain passes and into such places as death valley where the salt deposits are located travel an important field in the sporting world of aviation of course will be carrying passengers and initiating novices into the mysteries of the air lanes and into the pleasures of aerial touring in this delightful method of travel the panorama below is equal to any of the magnificent landscapes which may be seen from high mountains and besides the view is attended by most delicious thrills and sensations and when a good pilot is in control of the machine the passenger is sure of a pastime absolutely unequalled for mere joy aside from any further use or benefit it may have while travelling over torrid places like deserts and arid wastes as well as burning prairies the aviator can fly high where the air is cool and clear and escape the great humidity and the deadly alkali dust as for mountain climbing it will have lost its peculiar fascination when the aeroplane will be to mountains what the elevator is to high buildings the landscape has a greater far greater beauty for an aviator can see a great distance over a level plain at the height of one mile you can theoretically see ninety-six miles in every direction and as you ascend the distance to the horizon becomes greater in hilly country one hill hides another when you look from the ground but when you are high up in the sky like the eagle the mountains all seem to lose their height and appear flat and naturally your view is unobstructed at great altitudes the sky becomes a very deep blue and if you kept going up you would reach a point finally where the sky became black and the sun appeared like a ball of fire all by itself as a candle flame does in the dark for health in these regions there is no dust in the air to diffuse the light and the air is dry and consequently excellent for persons with lung trouble there is even a possibility that physicians will advise patients suffering from tuberculosis to ascend to these high altitudes and it is a fact that hubert latham was threatened with this disease 
yet enjoyed good health after taking up aviation, only to be killed by a wild buffalo, as related. Perhaps this is one of those cases I was looking for where the aeroplane has saved a life. Meteorology An aeroplane will bring quick reports of changes in the weather. Rapid investigations of conditions which exist in the strata of air at varying altitudes above the surface of the earth, made by the use of flying machines, may lend us material aid in understanding those conditions which are closer to the earth. The study of the weather and meteorological conditions becomes of greater and greater importance as the progress in the science of aviation advances. The currents of air that are regular in their direction of movement, like the trade winds, must be mapped and charted, for with the aid of a strong wind an aviator can make marvelous speed, as the speed of the wind is added to the speed of his machine, and with an aeroplane capable of making one hundred miles an hour, a favorable wind of fifty miles an hour would increase the total speed by one half. For the wind is now no longer an obstacle to flight, and as I have already noted at the beginning of this chapter, this is one of the most noticeable advancements in aviation, one that can be readily seen, understood, and appreciated even by the uninitiated. THE TENDENCY TOWARD HYDROS There is always more or less danger in flying over land, and the rougher its surface, the more difficult and dangerous the matter of landing. The safest place and the most uniform surface is to be found over the water, and there is much less danger to the aviator flying there than over the land. The strength of the wind can be easily judged by the height of the waves and squalls and puffs can be seen coming, so that if they seem to be very bad, you can come down on the surface of the water or skim along very near it with the greatest safety if you are in a hydro-aeroplane. Rivers will no doubt become the favorite highways of travel for the airman, as they were once the only great avenues for the march of civilization when the canoe or the rude boat was the only vehicle of transportation. This brings us, naturally, to another consideration of the air-land-water machine. End of section 15. Recording by Maria Casper.